Good morning, Lydia House. Even though we're not at Lydia House anymore, we gotta get a new name, don't we? So we'll, we'll get a new name one of these days, but until then, we are the Lydia House people. And in the barn, rather than at 1707. So welcome to all of you that are here and who are there. If you're there, we're glad that you're sort of here. I'm gonna read from Psalm 145. A song of praise. I will extol you, my God, my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Listen to this next verse. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So yesterday, we celebrated a generation. We celebrated Phil Ludio. Today, we're blessing Kyla. I got that verse for Kyla, Psalm 145.4, because she's going to help the generations. The next generation, she'll, she'll be one who is blessing, looking back and looking ahead. So yesterday we looked back, today we look to a little one, not to one who is gone, but one who is very much with us. And so we'll celebrate her life today with a dedication. So let's pray. We're grateful to you, God that one generation shall praise your works to another. And you are the God who has been faithful to how many generations? A thousand generations. Oh, we bless your name today. For those who have gone before us, who have been faithful to you, those who are coming after us, and we thank you for this chance today to open our hearts, to uh, open our voices, and give praise to your glorious name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Uh, just a couple of announcements this morning. You can uh, continue to be in prayer for Addison and Alicia. They have their baby girl, Nova, a couple of weeks early. Um, they have a preschooler and a toddler already, so some of us know what that's like to have a newborn in that kind of situation. So they could use your prayer. They haven't slept in three weeks. And so please keep Addison and Alicia Ellis and baby Nova in your prayers. Uh, after church today, we are gonna be having lunch together, so you're welcome to stay and join us, please. Whether you brought something or not, please join us. Next Sunday, we're gonna be having our monthly 1 Corinthians 1426 service, and so please come with something prepared. Ask the Lord between now and next Sunday to give you something to share, a, a song or a hymn or a spiritual song, a word, a devotional thought from scripture, a testimony, uh, something that you could share or give us an update on. And we keep those, you know, kind of brief. And then we share, we pray maybe for each other after that. And then we go into the next person. And so we try to do that every month as a way to exercise the fact that we are all the body of Christ. Amen? And so we all take part in what goes on. So we're going to be doing that again. It's still an experiment, but it's a very fun experiment. And we're, we've been enjoying doing it. Uh, we've never run into a time where nobody wanted to talk and we had to make something up. So, pretty cool. And so that's next Sunday. So please be praying between now and then uh, that the Lord would give you something that you were to share with your congregation. And that's all I have. Paul, if you want to lead us into some uh, time of confession and prayer, prayer for healing. How's Margaret's back doing? A little better? Good. Praise God.
Laura, did you have something? How is Samuel? Well, last I heard, uh, so this is uh, Stephen Luann's grandson, my nephew, and he's having some kidney problems, just born two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks old, having some kidney problems. One kidney's real bad, the other one's kind of bad. And so they're still figuring out the degree to which it's problematic, and so we're not sure yet. So if we can... Um, no, he's not in the hospital right now. He's just going back and forth for tests. So, uh, yeah, we are believing that God's going to heal whatever it is that's going on. Uh, I don't know a lot about kidney stuff, but anything with a newborn is a little scary, right? And so if you could keep him in your prayers, that would be great. Samuel. Well, let's do it right now. And then your family, how is your family doing? Um, I'm the way I normally am, so I have a lot of prayer requests and needs, <laughs> nothing beyond the norm. So chronic pain and you know my difficulty with the heat and all that kind of stuff, so I'll take prayer for all that. This feels good today. Much better, and I want to thank Tim Duick, who yeah. after, yeah. yeah, please, please, <clears throat> after the memorial, he, uh, I think, spent most of his Saturday here getting the air a little better, making it so the fans worked. How great are these fans, folks? Uh, so thank you personally. I certainly benefit greatly from it, and I think we all do. So thank you, Tim, for helping make this house a little tolerable. He told me what he did, and I didn't understand it. So I just thank you that he did it, and I didn't do it. So we're we're grateful. Kaylee's been doing much, much better. Wonderful. Yeah, Kaylee's Wonderful. doing much, much better. So we bless Nate. We thank you for Nate's leadership. We bless him and what he does for us and what he does in your name. And we pray against that condition that he has. We would like to see that fully healed, Father. And we look to you for your healing. We speak healing into his body, into his spirit, and to all the Johnstones. We pray that you would keep them strong and healthy. And we thank you for little Samuel. And we pray, uh, breathe your life and strength into his heart, into his kidneys. We pray that he will be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And for any others who are here who have health issues, you told Israel, I am the God who healeth thee. And so we believe in your healing power, and we take that into ourself, into, for our families, healing for ourselves and for our families, for those that we know that need healing. We bless them with your healing love. And God, we prepare ourselves now for a time of worship and fellowship. We thank you for your presence here. And so we just look inward. Just take a moment if there's any thought, any, any uh, unkind words that were spoken as we were hurrying to get ready for church, anything that we want to deal with, we can deal with it in our heart. You tell us if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we accept that. 
We'll rejoice in your cleansing blood. And we thank you that we can enter into your presence, who we are. We, we, we can't imagine that in the presence of a holy God, and yet you invite us to come. And so we come thankful for your forgiveness and for your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The Ellis's are here. We literally just prayed for you guys. There they are. There's baby Nova. Hold up the car seat. Cute. I saw a tiny face in there. Oh, my goodness. She's so little. Itty bitty baby girl. Congratulations. Somebody shout out a prayer for them as they're coming in. Welcome back. Welcome, baby Nova. Your church family's been praying for you and for you guys for extra rest per night's sleep. I remember it well. When Bella was born, I kind of felt like a zombie for months. <laughs> but we love you, Bella. It wasn't your fault. You were a baby. <laughs> Paul, you want to shout out a prayer for them? Yes. Or Karen. And, and, and. Go ahead. Paul and Karen. Okay, okay. Paul and Karen. Sorry. I was sorry. trying to say. I, I didn't try to separate you. That wasn't my intention. She's the birthday girl, you know. I know. Oh, we should do that too. No. Happy birthday, dear Karen. May Jesus bless you. That was the short version. And, and we bless our friends here. We thank you. We bless Nova. How wonderful, how wonderful. Thank you, Father, that she is here today. Yes, Lord. And we bless her, and we thank you. We bless Mama and Daddy and Brother. Thank you, Father, for the blessing you are and that you've made them a blessing, a family sitting together here, rejoicing in you in church together. Glad you're here. It's a good day, isn't it? Sweet. You got a smile out of them. Thank you, Lord. You will strengthen them in body, soul, and spirit supernaturally when they have those exhausted, exhausting days. Amen. That's a new place to wear your name tags. In case you forget who you are. Remember who you are. That's a different kind of name tag. All right, well, we're going to worship the Lord now. Anybody feel like doing that? Yes, Whether you feel it like is. it or not, it's a good thing to do. Yes, it is. Like, for real, even if you don't feel like doing it or you're super tired or there's other stuff going on, that's, all, that's usually the best time that's to right. praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Yeah. In my experience, praising the Lord is much, much easier when we try to put everything out of our heads and focus. I, my trouble's up here. I don't know about you guys. I get distracted and I lose focus and I and that's, that's what's hard I don't know about that I, it's, I'm just easily distractible uh, so Father God we set aside everything that's on our mind and our heart right now there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff in our mind a lot of stuff in our heart maybe we're tired maybe it's just been it's been one of those weeks one of those months one of those 16 months in a row and help us now, Lord, to focus on you and on what you have done for us. That we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We can love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. Yeah, 
in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to sit, stand, dance, whatever you want to do. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope thank you lord who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to bring out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring
broken every chain There's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope Jesus Christ, my living hope Jesus Christ, my living hope We thank you, Lord, that you are our living hope. We thank you that you died for us, but we thank you that you came back the firstborn from the dead so that we can join you for all eternity in heaven. We praise you, Lord. We praise you that when you came back from the dead and the women came to the tomb, they found it empty, but it looked like a garden now. And they saw a guy and they're like, hey, he must be the gardener. He must be the one tending to all this. And it was you, Jesus, bringing things back to the Garden of Eden, to how you originally intended them to be. We praise you that you are a God who turns graves into gardens. We pray that you would do that in our lives. Pray that you do that in the lives of those we love. Help us to be a part of that. We thank you that you partner with us to bring your spirit to a world who is hungry and thirsty for you. I searched the world, but it wouldn't fill me. Man's empty plates, treasures of fame are never enough. You came along. Put me back together Every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love There's nothing Better than you Lord There's nothing Better than you Lord There's nothing Nothing is better you and I'm not afraid I'm not afraid to show you my weakness my failures and flaws Lord you've seen them all and you still call me friend cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Nothing is better Nothing is better than you. You turn mourning to dancing. You 
turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one in there. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one in there. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one in care. turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, you're the only one in can, the only one, you're the only one in can, there's nothing better than you, Lord, there's nothing better than you, Lord, there's Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Lord, we pray that you would help that to be true in our lives. That we would turn away from anything else that draws our heart or our attention away from you. We want to put you on the top shelf in our heart and not have anything at all on that second shelf. <laughs> no idols of any kind. Holy Spirit, we invite you to point out any areas of our heart that you need to deal with this morning. Anything you need to show us. Something that we're looking at to be better than you. Give us the strength to reprioritize where we need to. To put you as Lord of our life in every area, not just on a Sunday morning. So we ask you to lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, to make sure Jesus is our head, our leader, our Lord in everything we do. And we thank you, Jesus, that you transform our broken hearts. You transform the graves of our life into something beautiful. We ask you that you would do that this morning. Transform whatever is in us that is broken, whatever is in us that is hurting, whatever is in us that feels empty, lost, dead. We pray that you would 
fill us with your life and your love and your joy. Just receive that right now in faith. Take a deep breath or hold out your hands or raise them up. Receive that gift from the Lord this morning. Whatever it is that you need, he knows. We receive you, Lord. Thank you. dedicating baby Kyla to the Lord. So I picked a couple songs that deal with the fact that we are the children of God. It's probably the most important aspect of our identity is that God has adopted us as his children. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. You hung... Whoops, sorry. Carry on. That would have been really high. <laughs> Unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave. 
and you said, I choose you.
the truth about who we are this morning, truth about who you have made us, Lord. So we're going to sing this bridge again, and I want you to confess these true things. God doesn't lie, amen? So when he says you're chosen and not forsaken, that's true. So let's speak the truth this morning. Chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am. Chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you 
excited to be a child of God this morning? I, I don't know that I believe that. I said, anybody excited to be a child of God this morning? There we go. All right, you may have a seat. We are going to do something very special now. We already hinted to it. So, you know, different people, different traditions do things differently. Some baptize babies and then confirm them when they're older. Some dedicate babies and then baptize them when they're a little older. We do both because we believe God is in all of that. And this morning we are going to welcome Kyla Tvorak to the Lord's family. Go ahead and come up. Family. Yeah, can we get the handheld mic? Good morning, everybody. We're grateful to be gathered with you today as we public, publicly dedicate our daughter, Kyla Don Dvorak. We want to steward this precious gift of life as best as we are able and have God saturate every part of Kyla's adventure with him. We are grateful for the opportunity to express that publicly today amongst family, special friends, and our church community who love and support us. Thank you for your involvement in our lives and your positive investment in Kyla's journey of faith formation. Could you quickly introduce your mm -hmm. other people for us? These are my parents. This is Dean and Lori Dvorak. And then Hello. Jeff and Christine Herringshaw are our girls' spiritual grandparents. Wonderful. And so uh, we'd like to share a few scripture readings that serve to guide us for why we are gathered for this dedication and as declarations over Kyla's life. First uh, Samuel 1, 27 through 28. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him, her, to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. She's and excited about these verses. 
That's good. Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child should not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Kyla's name means victorious, and we see that expressed even now in her young life. She is bold and fearless, <laughs> climbing on things without concern as she hangs on tight or slides back down, overcoming those physical obstacles. Even at this age, it is clear that she has a ten tenacity and zest for life lived in victory. She doesn't let the events of the day bring her down, but keeps on smiling and going on to the next thing with joy, quickly scooting off to conquer the next thing, just as excited and motivated as she was with the first thing that she was doing. And we also know that Kyla is victorious in light of what Jesus has done in his finished work on the cross and in the power of his resurrection. God has entrusted us with Kyla. In turn, we dedicate Kyla to God and in the authority that he has given us as her parents, we will do everything we are able to provide for Kyla, protect Kyla, and see good fruit produced in Kyla's life. Amen. I have a couple of questions for all of you. They're answering for you. This is a good thing. The first question is an easy one. Do you renounce Satan and all his works? Just say, we do. We do. Amen. You got the first one. Good job. <laughs> Do you commit to fighting the enemy through prayer on Kyla's behalf throughout her life? We do. We do. Amen. Do you commit to praying for her, walking with her, supporting her, and when necessary, giving her counsel when she needs it? We do. Amen. Now, why don't you um, do the prayers? Father, we thank you for Kyla's life. We're blessed to be her parents and recognize that ultimately she is yours. We desire to lead her in a deep and genuine relationship with you. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment and that you would help us to always seek you first and foremost to, so as to pass that on and model to her what it means to be in relationship with you. Help us to steward her life well. We dedicate her to you and to your service. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. We're going to play, pray some blessings on you. How does that sound? Good. She's, she's saying yes. That's nice. So please join us in prayer. We're doing this not just as a family and a group, but as a congregation. As we bless her, we welcome her into the family of God, and we pray for her. So please join us in prayer. Can I come with you? Please come with. Maybe stand back here so we don't want to block the star here of the show. So we rebuke the enemy and any plan or scheme that he has over Kyla's life in Jesus' name and by the blood of Jesus Christ. We break off any generational curse that would try to touch her in any way. We break off from Kyla any spiritual curse or consequence from um, any sin or inaction of her ancestors. And we cover over that with the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ who breaks every chain and who became the curse for us. We break off any form of physical or genetic corruption that she may have inherited and cover over that with the redeeming and healing blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to Kyla's family who have committed today to fight on her behalf, 
that they can pray for her and stand with her anytime the enemy attempts to gain a foothold in her life, in Jesus' name. And even more importantly than praying for the enemy to keep his hands off, Kyla, we want to pray that the Lord's hand would always be upon her. And so we bless you now, Kyla, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you, God the Holy Spirit, to fill Kyla now and for the rest of her days. We pray that your anointing would be upon her and that you would fill her with all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you desire for her to walk in. We bless you, Kyla, with the ability to connect with people and to help connect those people to God. We pray that you would walk in the presence of God throughout your life and that you would help others to experience the Lord's presence as well. That's an amen that she's saying there. We pray that the Lord's hand would be upon you and that anything you touch would prosper. We pray that you would be a shining city on a hill, not for your own glory, but for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. And now uh, family and friends have some words. We've all been praying for Kyla, that the Lord would speak to us about what to share and what to pray over her life. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift and blessing that is Kyla Dawn. As we see in her ever-ready smile, we pray that the joy of the Lord will always be her strength. As we observe her curiosity and investigative nature, we thank you for creating her this way. And we praise you, Lord, that Kyla is fearfully and wonderfully made. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is just a, a word to Kyla that we speak of to her. Kyla, the Lord has had you in mind long before you were conceived to be your shepherd and guide as you grow into a woman of strength and gentleness, to have an open window to heaven and a unique awareness of God's presence, purposes, and activity here on earth to always see the future in light of the goodness of God, importing, imparting hope to all you encounter, and to be able to uniquely communicate God's truth in a way that greatly glorifies him. Kala, you are a child of blessing given to be a blessing to those whom your heavenly Father is drawing to himself, and you are greatly loved. Kyla, may God's word always be rich in your heart. And my Bible is moving. So today's scripture is from Ephesians. Spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose you, I'm going to say. You know, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons, daughters, through Jesus Christ in accordance 
with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And yes, my word for you specifically was that you would be a praise and worshiper, and many would come to know Jesus. You're going to be a wonderful missionary with your mom and dad and mm -hmm. sister. And Kyla, you don't know this yet, but you are a connector of the generations. We look back and we see generations going back. Some people look back and they're unhappy, they're regretful. You will look back with joy to your parents and your grandparents with thanksgiving, and you will look ahead with expectation, without fear, because you're a connector of the generations, and God blesses to a thousand generations. And so we bless you today, you connector girl, And I, I had gotten the same words when we were praying. I, I wove mine into the anointing prayers already, but that the word connector is, is what kept coming to me from the Lord. That really? You, that, yeah, that you would connect, that you would be good at connecting with God, Kyla, and that you would help other people to connect with God and with each other. And so we bless you with that in Jesus' name, along with everything else that God will want to give you throughout your life. She's, she's going to be a... Firecracker this one. She, she is very much, you're very much alive, aren't you? She Amen. Alive, just looking at all, taking it all in. And I bless you with that joy. I bless you with a joyous life in God, yeah. in the Holy Spirit, that other people would see your joy and be drawn to it. In Jesus' name. Lord, we bless these parents. God, mm -hmm. give them wisdom. They've got two hefty assignments here for Javana. And Kylo, they've got assignments already at work in their lives. Thank you that you're entrusting to them these wonderful girls. You've entrusted to them this assignment to make them all that you want them to be. Give them wisdom. Give them a deep unity of spirit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes raising kids can create obstacles between mom and dad because they have different ways, different values, different outlooks. We pray for a real unity of spirit mm -hmm. between the two of them and even back to the generations, to grandpa and grandma as well. Thank you, Father, that there's going to be peace and a thrusting forward for Kyla and Giovanna. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Thank you, everyone, and let's welcome Kyla to the family. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for coming up. And, you know, I think I'd be remiss after a time like this if I didn't now invite all of us to rededicate ourselves to the Lord. You know, when we're children, our parents do that for us, and then we get a little older, and it's our responsibility. Amen. So anyone who would like to rededicate their life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to take a stand, as in literally stand up. No judgment if you don't stand up, by the way. But if you want to rededicate your life to God, I want you to stand right now, and I'm going to pray with us. It's good to renew these vows. The Jews would do it every year to renew their heart and renew their dedication to the Lord. So Father God,
We want to do that right now to renew our own hearts, our own dedication to you. We thank you that you have also adopted us into your family, and we receive that in Jesus' name. Help us to walk in it. Help us to walk in all of your mercies, all of your blessings, all of your favor. Help us, Holy Spirit, to choose to follow you, to listen to you, and not just our own path that's so easy for us to follow after a selfish motive. Help us to put that down, to sacrifice ourselves, to be willing to take up our cross every day and follow you. And where we lack that resolve, Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us your strength. Sometimes our resolve falters. Sometimes we get tired or we get frustrated. So we open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit, and we ask you that you would help us in those times to continue to walk after you in everything that we do. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, you can say one thing. You, I'd even allow two things. I'll say one thing. I want to say thank you to Stephen for the wonderful celebration that we had. Uh, it was a group activity, but you were the key players. And uh, yesterday, we celebrated the life of this lady's husband. We're celebrating Phil Ludio yesterday, and this it was on this girl's birthday, and so we celebrated her as well, but her dad and Miriam, Miriam's the sister of Karen, so we celebrated together the life of Phil Ludio, and it was just a beautiful celebration, and we're, we're grateful to God for uh, how he got shot in Iwo Jima, and then he went back, as we said yesterday, not with bullets, but with Bibles, yeah. Thank you. Why don't you hang on to that? Yes, thank you. And a lot of work went into preparing that memorial time, and it was incredible. So thank you, Steve, Elizabeth, Karen, everybody, everybody who's not here who helped uh, prepare that. That was, it was amazing. I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I don't need a name tag. I'm Pastor Nate. You know me. Okay. Uh, no, it's fine. Okay. That won't confuse people. I forgot to give Kyla this. We got her a little necklace. It's a cross necklace that says blessed or blessed, if you prefer, um, to help remind her of her dedication today. Uh, grab a Bible or turn on a Bible and open it up to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Um, this week was one of those fun times as a pastor because the Lord told me what to preach on. Sometimes he leaves it up to us and I don't trust myself as much as I trust the Lord. And, and so in this case, I was like, we should do something on dedication because we're having a dedication service and it just wasn't right. It wasn't what God wanted. So I prayed and he just said, Luke 7. So I said, okay. And I opened it up and I looked at it and this is what the Lord wants us to talk about today. And I saw something in this passage that I've never seen before, yeah. which is, you know, rare. At, at some point, you've read the Bible so much right. that when the Holy Spirit brings something out, you're like, whoa, how have I never noticed that? And so we're going we're to talk about that this morning. This is a great passage. You're all probably familiar with it. Luke 7, we're going to do the first 10 verses. This uh, opening section here, it's a story, not a parable, of Jesus at the centurion's. And I'm just going to read this uh, 
10-verse passage. Uh, after he had finished, as Jesus had finished all these sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him, earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far off from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Amen. It's a great, great story. And I, I've always looked at this from the point of view of faith in regards to healing and miraculous stuff in general. And that is definitely what it's about, but there's other stuff here too. So I want to dig into this with you. So the nutshell is a centurion, who is a Roman soldier, he has a sick servant. He sends word to Jewish elders of the town to ask Jesus to come and heal his servant because he heard about Jesus. And Jesus goes, he says the word, the servant is healed. So here's a question. Why did these Jewish elders agree to go to Jesus? Okay, a little, little historical background. You know, I love to do this. The Jews and the Romans are not big fans of one another. They hate each other. The Jews hate the Romans. The Romans are their enemies by any definition of the term. They are our enemies. And the, they had good reason to do that. Okay? Rome had come in and conquered by force. <laughs> and was now forcing them with soldiers everywhere occupying the country to do whatever they said. So in turn, they hated the Romans. These guys were not nice to the Jews. They wrung money out of them. They wrung the life out of them and everything else. The elders, in particular, would have hated the Romans. These guys were not friends. They're not supposed to be, at least. They're enemies, OK? And yet, what we see here is a centurion who sends word to the Jewish elders asking them for a favor. And then it says, let's see, verse 4. And they came to Jesus and pleaded with him earnestly. Now, this could be that the mean old centurion, this would be the normal story. The mean old centurion made a demand of them to do something. Send me Jesus or else kind of a thing. And so it could be that they were going to Jesus pleading, please, this guy is so bad. Can you do us a favor? Can you just go talk to him or something so he doesn't do what he did last time and round up all the kids and whip them for no reason? That kind of stuff happened all the time. Okay? But that's not what they're doing. They're genuinely and earnestly requesting that Jesus go and help this guy. 
What is going on? This is weird, guys. This is really, really weird, okay? The centurion and the Jewish people have somehow, prior to this story, been reconciled to each other. They should be enemies. They should hate each other, and they don't hate each other. This is very unusual. This is the only time this happens that I have found in the Gospels, okay, that we see this, this kind of reconciliation. And it drew Jesus to this town. Reconciliation draws heaven to it. That's what I believe. And so the, something had happened. We don't know how long the centurion has been here. Um, centurion was in charge of 100 soldiers. And typically they were not Roman people, like from Rome. They were from somewhere else. We don't know ethnically who this guy was. He was from somewhere, could have been North African, could have been from Gaul, could have been Greek, Italian. What we know for sure is he wasn't a Jew, okay? And he had risen up in the ranks through skill, diplomacy, intelligence, whichever one it was, and now he was in charge of keeping the peace and order in this city, beating up rebels, that sort of thing. And he's probably been here for years, judging by this relationship that has formed between him and the people of the town. He's been here for a while. And he clearly believes in God, which is a miracle in and of itself, right? Now, we, we learn of a centurion later who believes in God and prays earnestly in Acts chapter 10, the one that Peter goes to, where the Holy Spirit falls on his whole family, okay? It's not the same guy, uh, but it's another guy who came to love God. And it says, love the nation as well. This is really unique, guys. This is crazy. In fact, so unique that uh, the centurion's bosses probably wouldn't like the kind of relationship he has with these people. They definitely wouldn't like the fact that he believed in God. I'm guessing he's keeping that on the download. Because the emperor was God, you worship the emperor and the official gods. You don't mix up with the wilds. That's not okay, all right? I don't know how he got away with building them a synagogue, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. He must have told the governor, you know, this is going to be the only way to appease these folks and get them on our side, and they won't rebel. If we build them a synagogue, I think we should do that. I don't know how he got away with it, but he did. The Lord was obviously with him. He had the favor of the Lord with him. And so these guys are supposed to be enemies, and they're not. Somehow they have reconciled. They should hate each other, and they don't. Um, to the point where these Jewish elders, they come to Jesus. Which, pause, first of all, they came to Jesus. These are Jewish elders coming to Jesus asking for help. Can you think of another time that happens? What's, what's the, action, the attitude of the Jewish elders towards Jesus typically? Persona non grata, right? He is not kosher, pun for Phil. Eventually, he is an enemy of the state himself, okay? Certainly, the centurion is an enemy. Eventually, Jesus would be too. But these guys are walking in humility to come to Jesus and ask them for this. So the centurion says, hey, will you help me out? I want my servant to get healed. And they say, okay. <laughs> it's really remarkable. This doesn't happen, okay? They say, yes, they humble themselves enough to go to Jesus and they plead earnestly. They really genuinely want Jesus to help this guy. They, they, he's not an enemy anymore, they love him. They love him. They're advocating for him. They're on his side. They're fighting for him to come to Jesus. And these words here, they're trying to convince him. Please, Jesus, please do it. Please, please. Can you do it? He's great. He's a good guy. Like, they're trying to convince Jesus to go do a miracle for their enemy. 
someone who's not allowed to set foot in a synagogue or the temple, someone who's unclean. As much as the centurion would have gotten in trouble for this relationship, the elders of this town definitely would have gotten in trouble for this relationship. Look at what, look at what they say. Uh, halfway through verse 4. He is worthy to have you do this for him. Mm. Worthy? A dirty dog centurion? No. That's the definition of unworthy. Our God would never do a miracle for that guy. And yet they believe he will. And they're willing to do that. They'd get in trouble for this, folks. The powers that be in Jerusalem, if they heard about this, these guys are in trouble. Not only that, they would disagree theologically <laughs> that he is worthy to have them do this. And notice what this means. The Jewish elders are saying, he's worthy for you to do this. They believe Jesus can heal this guy. That's what they're talking about. He's worthy for you to go heal him. Whoa, that's humility. We don't see Jewish elders in other places saying, hey, Jesus, I know you're a healer. Can you come and heal this friend of ours? It's more like they're trying to trap him and they're trying to you know, get him mixed up in their religious stuff. But they come and they say, he is worthy. They're trying to convince him. He is worthy for you to do this for him. It's amazing. It's amazing. They've gone from enemies to being fighting for each other. And then he, he gives some reasons. He loves our nation. What? He's a, he oppresses our nation. No, he loves our nation, which implies our people. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. So he's proving his love with his money. It's one thing to say, I love Uganda and the people in Uganda that we're helping with clean water and food. It's one thing to say, I love the people of Uganda. It's another thing to sacrifice your treasure to help them, right? That's proof. That's proof of your love when you give. And he gave. It actually says he built. Maybe he used some tax money. I doubt it. I think he built it himself, probably. So he's sacrificing his own money. He's proving his love for these people. To build a synagogue, he's not allowed to go to. Interesting, right? So this is what racial reconciliation looks like. And this is what I never saw in this passage. I don't know why I never saw it. But this is what racial reconciliation looks like. People who should hate each other, who should fight each other, who should probably plot to kill each other should, not like really should, I mean, who other people are telling them they should, right? And who honestly they have every reason to hate the, hate the Romans. And yet, they're acting out of love, and not just love, they're taking steps, they're humbling themselves, they're abasing themselves before this guy that their leaders are telling them is bad, don't, don't mess with this Jesus guy, he'll mess you up. And he's saying, please, I know you can heal his servant, can you go do it? Because we love this guy. Because this guy loves us, and he's proven his love to us. It's an amazing story. And I think this pre-existing situation of racial reconciliation between Rome and Israel is what drew Jesus to Capernaum in the first place. I think it drew Jesus there like a magnet because that's what re reconciliation in any form does, whether it's between two people, families, races, nations, whatever it is. Reconciliation draws heaven. Why? Because that's what Jesus was all about. That's why he came. The Bible says Jesus came to reconcile the lost to the Father. That's his thing. Like, if, he, if Jesus wears a name tag, it's got, like, reconciler on there as his job description. That's what he came to do. And so when Jesus, when heaven sees us doing the work of Christ, when he sees us doing what he wants to do, he can't help but be like, whoa, this is great stuff, guys. What do you need? Miracle? No problem. 
I think, re I think re reconciliation creates an environment for a miracle to happen really easy. I think that's why this miracle takes place. And I'm pretty sure a lot more things happen at Capernaum in the years mm -hmm. that followed this. Mm -hmm. Reconciliation is a huge part of Jesus' ministry. And he is drawn, I think, to this town because of that. And the miracle happens. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it, Jesus was able to provide evidence to those elders that, hey, that I am the guy. <laughs> I am the one. Any, any thoughts on that? I had never noticed this before. Maybe I was just blind to it. But I never noticed that in this passage. Steve, can you uh, pass the mic, Paul? Oh, Elizabeth. Well, I can just speak loud. He's, you know, he's the Prince of Peace. So mm -hmm. it makes, that goes along with the reconciler. He's the yeah. Prince of Peace. Yes brings peace between people. Exactly. He wants peace. And, and so many of the, the Jews wanted Jesus to bring peace through war. Let's just conquer these Romans and get rid of them. Right? And Jesus never said it, but his secret plan was, no, we're actually just going to bring them into the family. And he didn't say that because a lot of those folks hated the Romans so much that they would have rebuffed that. No, we don't want to bring these guys into the family. We hate them. They're super racist against the Romans, right? And so, but that's what we see happen. It took a couple hundred years, <laughs> but eventually Rome came into the family, right? And we see that starting here. We see it with the centurion in Acts chapter 10 that Peter is sent to. And even Peter, pretty racist oh. still, right, yeah. in Acts 10. God's like, I want you to go to that centurion. Go into his house, making yourself unclean. And Peter's like, nope, sorry, God, that's, that's a step too far. Dying for you, no problem. Going to that dirty centurion's house, problem. You know? And God's like, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a vision with some lizards and make you eat them. <laughs> to show you how serious I am. Don't call unclean that which I have made clean, is what he says in Acts 10. Right? And, and we're seeing like a preview of this here. And it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus loves this. Yeah. He loves this so much. And so reconciliation is a big part of this. And I think it's a big part of walking into the miracle. And I, I'd like us to think about, I'll give you some homework questions at the end, but are there relationships in our lives that we need to reconcile? Mm. And how can we be a part of re reconciliation on bigger scales? Reconciliation between races, between churches, between countries, people, cities, whatever it is that God has put into our life. How can we be a part of that reconciliation? Because that's a ministry that Jesus has called all of us to. Because he said, do what I do. Do what I did. That's your job as the church. And so how can we be a part of that? When we do it, when we step into those things, it creates a space for the miraculous to happen. To such a degree that it could be some of us who are praying for a miracle and believing for a miracle, maybe we haven't seen it yet because there's something in the way. And maybe it's a reconciliation issue. Do you remember the, the verse where Jesus says, if you're at the altar and you're about to give your gift and you remember your brother has something against you, pause, leave it there, leave it set, and run and reconcile with your brother first. Then you can come and give your offering. So sometimes the things between us and God can be hindered by stuff between us and other people. You see that? And so let's ask the Holy Spirit, is there something in my life? 
uh, how to say this, Minnesotans, those of us who are Minnesotans, tend to be a little passive aggressive. Sometimes, perhaps you've heard that. And so perhaps sometimes what happens is we have a grievance with somebody else, and we just decide we're going to kind of let it set or forget about it and just move on with our lives. That's not quite re reconciliation. No. That's pretending, That's right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like guys in particular, like you have something against another guy and the guy walks into the room and you walk into the room and you're like, and he's like, you're like, we're good now. You know what? You can maybe take another step or two beyond that, right? It could be that there's something between us and someone else that God wants us to reconcile, really reconcile. Oh, we really fought about this and it was really hard six months ago. Time has passed. Things are better now, so we're just gonna let it, we're just gonna let it be. We've all probably forgiven each other and let it go. Pray about it. Maybe the Lord would have you bring it up to them and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. Always start with humility, right? You hear me say that almost every Sunday. Everything starts with humility. The centurion starts with humility. It's his servant who's sick. And he goes to the Jews to ask them for help from this random guy, Jesus. That's a lot of humility, right? The Jewish elders are showing humility by saying, we got to go to this Jesus guy. Okay, whatever it takes, we'll go to this Jesus guy. And they go to him. And they admit that they know he's God's man and he can do the miraculous. Please come help this guy. It always begins with humility. So pray about it. If the Holy Spirit brings somebody to your mind, um, I encourage you to pursue that. And if you want, you could bring it up to somebody else here at church and we could talk, talk it through with you, pray it through. Um, sometimes that's something that we need to do together. You know, because relationships can be messy. But on the other side of reconciliation is miraculous stuff. And let's not leave anything on the table, right? I've said this before, too, but I don't want to get to heaven and find out, oh, there was a whole bunch of stuff I could have walked in and seen and had. And I didn't because I was too prideful, too selfish, too Viking, <laughs> too Minnesotan, whatever. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. Fearful. It's all kind of fearful related, right? Fear is one of the big things. We don't think of it as fear. Think of it as masculinity or as proper Christian or whatever. But it's just fear and things letting us, things getting in the way, okay? Let everything go. Humble yourself and ask God what you should do. Have the courage to do it. These, these Jewish elders had the courage to go to Jesus. And so that's, that's the first part of the passage, and I'll, I'll just touch briefly on the second part, uh, the faith issue, because this is the part that we probably all looked at before in this passage. So the, the elders say to him, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's the one who built our synagogue. And now verse 6, and Jesus went with them. I don't think he needed convincing like that, by the way. <laughs> I, I think he was like, you had me at, you seriously want to help this Roman. I'm already with you. The miracle's basically done already. Um, but So he goes with them. And when he was not far from the house, so he's not even there yet. And he's, the centurion saw him coming down the road, or a servant came and said, hey, they're on the drain. Jesus is coming. He's like, no, 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 you don't need to come all the way here. No, 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 no. Go out and tell him. And this is, this is amazing. Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. What's that sound like again? Humility. I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof. Plus, he's very conscientious of the Jewish religious law that says they can't enter his roof. They're not even supposed to go on his property. They're not even supposed to be doing any of this. He's the vile, evil dog enemy. Okay? 
But he's like, look, you don't, you don't, you don't need to do that. I'm not even worthy of that. Humility, massive humility. Humility and Roman officer are not things you expect to see in the same vicinity. Okay? This guy is the boss of a whole region. He's the boss. What he says goes. He speaks for the emperor in his authority in that place. And yet he's so humble. Only God could have done that, right? Yeah. Only God could have changed this guy. I can't wait to talk to him in heaven and hear his full story about what happens. Because this is one of those interesting stories that we walk in having all this already happened. This has already been going on for years. And they walk into this. It's just, I, I love this passage. Can you tell? I like this passage. Yeah. Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I didn't presume to come to you. He's explaining why I didn't go and ask you in person. I didn't want to do that to you or put you in an awkward position. I'm not worthy of that. But just say the word and let my servant be healed. This is huge faith. And then he explains why. And we're going to go, sometime in the fall probably, we're going to go more in depth into authority in scripture and what that really means. But here he says, for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes. I say to another, come and he comes. And I say to a servant, do this and he does it. And Jesus goes, wow. I don't know if Jesus audibly said wow, but he emoted wow. Look, it says he marveled at him. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus. You know what we're talking about, right? Jesus himself, wow, this guy, this guy gets it. Jesus marveled at him so much that he turned back to the crowd and he said, uh, hey, guys, not even in Israel have I seen this kind of faith. Just so you know. Take a number from this dirty century. Who shouldn't even have us near him, according to what all the rules say. He gets it in a way that you don't get it. So what was it that he got? Why is it that we see a lot of miracles? Jesus does tons of miracles. He loves doing miracles. I encourage you sometime to sit and read through the Gospel of Mark. It doesn't take long. Just read through it in one sitting. At the end of that, you're like, wow, Jesus, all Jesus did was cast out demons and heal people. Like, all the time. That was like 90% of his job. And it was. He did some teaching, too. But he mostly healed people and cast out demons. That was what he did. That's how he expressed the kingdom of God. And so there's a lot of miracles in the Bible. So let's say we'll pick one. He goes up to a blind man. And he says, do you believe I can heal you? And he says, yes. And so Jesus prays for him, and he's healed. Okay, there's an example. The guy says, Jesus, heal me. Jesus heals him. Why is this healing demonstrating more faith than that? Any thoughts? Why is it that he marvels so much at the centurion? Is that a hand? Ruth, give it a shot. No wrong answer. Well, yeah. You know what I mean. Jesus said, I only do those things which the Father tells me. Mm -hmm. So he was a man under authority. And then we're told to submit to God and resist the enemy, and he will flee from us. So when we remain under authority and obedient and course-correcting as we need to, then we, are, we, we have authority when we're under authority. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. So, that, so this guy understood how authority works. And he explained to Jesus, that's why I have the faith for you to just say the word and it's good enough. Right? Because he understood authority. So understanding authority was sort of the key for why this guy was able to have this faith. And why did it take more faith for this miracle to happen than this one? You know, hey, be healed in Jesus' name. There's some faith required there. We see that throughout the Gospels. But this one was different because... Yes, for sure. Jesus didn't care about any of that kind of stuff. He, he was far above that. Steve? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Even if he was back where he in his home, uh, I don't know. I just think I, I think I think that is what it is. Yeah. Um, all those things are part of are part of the package here. So let's just let me ask you: Which takes more faith to say Nate is going to pray for you and heal you, versus to say Nate is going to pray for your cousin in Albuquerque and he's going to get healed? Which do you think takes more faith? The second one. Right? It definitely takes more faith to say, you can do it from here, just say the word, and he's healed. Like, when people ask me, for example, oh, can you pray for my sister? She's really sick. If I say, okay, and like, she's really sick, she lives in Coot Rapids, she's free on a Tuesday, can you pray for my sister? If my response is, be healed, Jan, in Jesus' name, and I don't drive to Coot Rapids, is that person going to be satisfied? Probably not. Because it takes a lot more faith to believe someone can just say the word and have a person healed than it does to believe, no, if you come and lay hands on them, they'll be healed. That still is faith, for sure. But it's more faith to say, no, 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 this is good enough. In fact, text me. Why not? Our, our friend Dave Heinrich, our ministry partner and friend, died uh, a couple weeks ago. We talked about that. He's preached here a number of times and did a lot of stuff with us. Um, when he died, he was in the Dominican Republic. And Paul, are, Paul and I are like, you know, we're going to pray for him to be raised from the dead. I've prayed for people who have recently died to be raised from the dead, but I've never done it whatever distance Minnesota is from the Dominican Republic. I've never even heard of that working. I've never heard of that happening personally. Maybe it's happened. But I've never heard of praying for someone thousands of miles away to be raised from the dead. But I'm like, you know what? Why not? Let's pray for him. If, if God was to pick anyone to be the first one that that would happen to, it would be Dave. So we prayed for him to be raised from the dead. He wasn't. I was sad about that. But I'm going to keep doing it because there's no reason why that wouldn't work. Why not? There's no distance. This passage is the proof that there's no reason that wouldn't work. That's why we can pray for people in China. And we believe that'll work, right? But the, the more that is required, a, a miracle is a bigger deal than, than praying for someone for something else. And so we think in our brains, because we've been patterned to think this way, that there's a difference when it's a big deal, 
well, this is way harder to do. It's way harder to do uh, healing than it is to just bless someone with peace. So I have a harder time believing healing can happen remotely than, oh, bless my sister, give her peace. But that's a problem with our brains. That's how the world works. That's not how God's work. There's no difference in the spirit. Do you think it's harder for God to do a miracle of healing than it is for God to give someone peace? For God. It is not. It's harder for us, but it's not harder for God. There is no difference in the spirit. Right? Is it harder for God to bring a, a child and a parent together in reconciliation versus to bring two races together in reconciliation? God can do that just as easily, folks. The barrier is up here. It's in our brain. We think, oh, that's way harder, so it's probably not going to happen. And God's like, oh, that's too bad. I can sort of do anything. It's not like God's got to roll up his sleeves to get this one done. No. And the centurion understood this. He understood this principle, I think. And he's like, oh, this is what you do. This is nothing for you. Just send the word. You're good. I get it. I get it. Steve. I just had one thought, though, that, um, yeah, it was more faith because... There was no track record, I don't think, of Jesus doing a remote. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was yep. always laying hands on, laying hands on. And so he didn't have any uh, one to, to uh, you know, refer back to like you've already done it. He was asking him to do it maybe the first time ever. Yeah, I think it probably yeah. was the first time Wow, ever. that was faith. And the reason he could do it is because he understood how this authority thing worked. And that's why Jesus marveled at the guy. It's like, whoa, nice. Nice. Good job. Guys, that, that's the, that's the thing. That's how it works. And I, I want this to encourage us in our prayers for other people. Okay? Let, let this passage give you more faith to see that God can do so much more than you think. We, just because of the pattern of this world, our brains put God in these little boxes of what he is and isn't able to do and what he can and cannot do through me. I'm not worthy, blah, blah, blah. He says I'm not worthy. It still happens. I'm not worthy is not an excuse, right? God can use you to do stuff. And so be, uh, be open to what God wants to do. Um, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. And then I love that he doesn't say anything after that, Jesus. He doesn't say, therefore, let her be healed. You know, he doesn't say anything. But when the servants go back, they're like, oh, yeah, she's already healed. It happened like that. I think the second the servant spoke, or the friends, it says, the friend spoke those words, she's like, wow, yep, done. It's awesome. I love this story so much. So there's, there's a lot of things here we could talk about um, in terms of faith. James says, we don't have because we don't ask. You don't have the stuff you're looking for because you're not asking for it. Faith is belief plus action, right? Faith isn't just belief. James also says, even the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe who Jesus is and what he did, but they don't put their trust in him. They don't act on what they know is true. Faith is belief plus action or belief plus obedience. You've probably heard this, but there are other languages that don't have the word faith. And when the Bible is translated into those languages, it'll say believe, obey, definitive word. Believe, obey. What is faith? Believe, obey. Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of what is hoped for. It's a substance. It has spiritual mass 
the substance of what is hoped for. The centurion hoped Jesus would heal his servant. But he didn't go, oh, I sure wish that would happen. I said, I sure wish that would happen. No, he took action. He said, I'm going to do something about this. He sent guys to go ask the elders to help. Right? He did something. Faith is doing something about what you believe. God very seldom acts on wishful thinking. He acts on actions, right? So if we want to see the miraculous happen more in our life, if we want to see it happen in the lives of our loved ones, let's put our faith in motion. Let's put it in action. James also says faith without works is useless because it's not really faith. It's just belief. You have to act on it to make it work. And the centurion does that here, and it happens. And it's a beautiful thing. The, the Jewish elders do it for him on his behalf, and it happens. The miracle happens. It's a beautiful thing. Um, CJ, could you put up our homework? I came up with a couple questions. Let's think about these as we move through the uh, week. So I already mentioned this. Are there any relationships in my life that require re reconciliation? I'd like you to pray about that this week and see. And try your best to humble yourself. Because if you don't humble yourself, pride will always get in the way of reconciliation. Because pride says, I don't need to do that. Nope, I don't need to do that. That's not me. That's somebody else. I didn't really offend them. Or I didn't really take offense. I'm not upset. <laughs> really? Sounds like you're convincing yourself pretty well. So humble yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, is there someone you need to be reconciled with? Uh, number two, more big picture now. How can I help foster... Racial reconciliation, like we see in this passage, uh, maybe in your family, work, church, neighborhood, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, and then take a step. Take a baby step. Have faith, even if it's scary. And the last one, are you walking out your faith? Are you doing it? Are you doing the stuff? Like the centurion said, are you sitting back and hoping for a miracle? Eh, it'd be really awesome if God did this for me. It'd be really awesome if God did this for him. Are you saying, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. Action. Jesus doesn't say to whoever hopes, something will happen probably. No, he says to whoever asks and keeps on asking, you will receive. To whoever seeks and keeps on seeking, you will find it. To whoever knocks and keeps on knocking on that door, the door is going to open eventually. We would all love it if every miracle was, ask Jesus, bang, healed. That would be awesome, right? Why? Because I'm impatient. And I want to see things happen. So my impatience is like, ah, I prayed twice, that's probably enough. No. Every time Jesus teaches on prayer, he teaches on persistence, right? We've talked about that. Perseverance. You pray and you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying. That's usually how it works. Why? Because time proves faith. Just like the centurion proved his love by paying for the synagogue. That's proof. He acted on it. Your faith is proven by, oh, I believe Jesus can do this. Prove it. I'm going to keep praying for it. I'm going to pray for it for a year. I'm going to pray for it every day, over and over. And guess what, God? Just so you know, I'm never going to stop. That proves it, right? That's walking it out. And sometimes that's, that's just what's required of us. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that teaches us so much. And, and just when we thought we knew what it was about, you show us new awesome things. I praise you for that. Holy Spirit, I ask you to continue to do that in our lives. Open up the scripture to us. Speak to us. Yeah. We thank you, Lord, for your ministry of reconciliation in this world. We ask you to help us to be a part of it. 
individually with the relationships with, that we have corporately, Lord, there's a lot of need right now for racial reconciliation. The world is pushing for race war. That's the opposite of your heart. You want repentance, forgiveness, love. Help us to be a part of that, Jesus. And help us to walk out that faith that you've given us, to make it real, to make it tangible. I pray that like the centurion, you could look down at each one here and say, wow. Wow. That's a lot of faith. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before we go eat lunch together and cut the cake for Kyla's dedication, just want to remind you next week, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. So please pray. Hey, Lord, give me, give me something to share. Give me something to share. Maybe it's a vision or a word. Maybe it's a testimony. And testimony doesn't have to be like, this is how I was a drug dealer and now I'm a Christian. You know, it can be, I lost my car keys and I was frustrated and then I prayed and humbled myself and I found my car keys. That's a great testimony. Uh, that's happened to me. Um, so pray about something that you can share to encourage your sisters and brothers in Christ next week. Paul Anderson appears to have something to share. How can you tell? I don't, it's, it's just a prophetic word. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> so, on a scale of one to, one to ten, ten being high, how what would you give to this sermon? What 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 would be your, what would you give them? That was fantastic. I've read that. I've read it before. I didn't see what he saw. This was a wonderful message. Write it up, young man. Yes, sir. Okay. A uh, few guests here. Naomi has been with us before. Yay. Naomi is a relative, a wonderful re relative, a cousin of Karen's. Amy, two in a row. So you're back. We love having you back. Communitas, you know, we did a Communitas in our home and hundreds of young people, over, over a thousand. And she was one of them. And so it's always fun when people from Communitas, I don't know you. What is your name? Or do I know you? Uh, no. My what? name is uh, Tech. My name is Tech Amiru. Yes. Yep. And where are you from? Uh, I live in Hopkins. I'm originally from Ethiopia, but came here when I was five to Minnesota. Been here since. So. Wow. Yeah. So are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah. You smile like you are. <laughs> yes. I could tell during the message. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Yes. He was saying amen. Jeff Herringshaw, I worked with Mark Herringshaw, mm -hmm. his brother, for many years. He heads up, uh, 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 what, what do you do? Uh, we, we work with Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM, um, here in, Mini in the Minneapolis area. Uh, we've been working with them for about almost 30 years uh, in the discipleship and training um, area. And... Um, now just kind of overseeing, mentoring, and raising up young leaders. Thanks for being here. And mom and dad, I've known them for many years from when I was at North Heights. They used to think I was on the staff because I hung out there all the time. I just had an office there, but uh, saw people. Anybody else? Raina. Hi. Who's Raina? You want to introduce Raina? is our granddaughter and uh, she was the oldest granddaughter of all the kids that were there for Phil Ludio my dad's yeah 
um, memorial. Oh, great granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's right. I meant great granddaughter. Oh, it was wonderful testimony and tribute to Phil. Raina goes to Tulane University in New Orleans. She'll be a senior in the fall. And she's visiting here for a few weeks. Did we cover the bases here? Yeah, I think we did. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to give the benediction. Welcome, everybody, our visitors, guests, tech. Welcome. This is an international church, so it, it, it's not that we like international people more than non-international people, but a little, a little bit, bit it's like that. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, most of us here are either from somewhere else, have worked somewhere else, live somewhere else, or consider ourselves bicultural, and so you, 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 you found a good home. Or, or mutts, yeah, absolutely, spiritual mutts. So let me give you the benediction. As Paul says, grab this, catch it. This is a blessing for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And Lord bless you.